0: Welcome to the Game Plan Podcast with Judah Newby and Brian Perkins, breaking down all things Seahawks.
1: All right, here we go. Week 12 of the NFL season and another tough road test. November, the most crucial game of the month and arguably the season. Seattle coming off a long week and a victory over the Green Bay Packers last Thursday night. Now it's off to Charlotte yet again. It seems like we make an (laughs) annual trip to face the division rifle, Carolina Panthers, 3,000 miles away. He's Brian Perkins. I'm Chuda Newby. Here we go, Perk. Seahawks Panthers.
0: What is this? Gonna be round six of the last six years? Feels that way. Seventh time in the regular season since 2010. Jeez. Eighth time overall if you count playoffs. Uh, yeah, and a huge game. You know, everything came up Millhouse for the Wait Seahawks. Wait a second, this I, it would be the ninth
1: time overall if you include playoffs because they had two divisional games—one in Seattle, one in Carolina.
0: That's right. That's, That's right. It's amazing. That's how insane. Many times they played. I forgot about the the one in Seattle, right. from 2013. Right, Cam Chancellor picked six. Yep, that was the Where he leapt over the the the, the offense. and and yeah.
1: leap, leaping over the line for the blocked field goal. Oh man, yeah, yeah. yeah
0: memories. Yeah, I mean this is this is a huge game. Uh, you know, this weekend everything went Seattle's way. Uh, this weekend, in terms of teams you wanted to lose, lose the the Bears beat the Vikings on Sunday Night Football. Um, the 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 Panthers somehow lose to the Lions. Uh, the Lions,
1: so, without Marvin Jones, without Golden Tate, still find a way to beat Carolina twenty to nineteen. Yeah, that was a bad game for the Panthers.
0: It was, but. Good for Seattle because now all of a sudden they, they really have some opportunity here to take advantage. Now, again, you don't win games like this. It doesn't matter because you're still a 500 team and you're still behind these teams. But, boy, a, a win would go a long way uh, against the Panthers this weekend without a doubt.
1: Yeah, it really would because, as we've made note of before, the December schedule, Yeah, I don't know if we <laughs> if it's a fair narrative to call it easy anymore because you still have the Vikings and Chiefs in December. But the other three games are twice against San Fran and once against uh, Arizona. So to have five games in December, you know, and to have the critical games, Minnesota and KC, at home, that just puts that much more emphasis on this game being on the
0: road. I was rooting for Kansas City in that uh, in that crazy Monday night game. Why is that? Just because I want them to not have anything to play for when they go to Seattle. Mm. They've already lost to the Patriots as we know right so they they don't have tiebreakers and now they have two losses so that just makes me a little nervous because if they win that game um, and you know as as with AFC and NFC opponents an AFC road loss to an NFC opponent not the end of the world for Kansas City but I'm just thinking from a Seahawks perspective right in a perfect world a week 16 matchup with Kansas City has a team that they're they're, like, they're going to play their starters. Chase but,
1: Daniel, a quarterback.
0: Yeah, I mean, they'd probably play their starters for, for for some of the game, but you would think that maybe they'd be a bit checked out. Sure. Not having as much to play for. So And that game's obviously in Seattle, which would help as well, right?
1: And that Minnesota game, too. Now you're looking at the Vikings, and they're going to be on Sunday night football again this week against Green Bay. But, you know, they've kind of looked spotty on offense as of late as well, if you consider their Sunday night performance in Chicago. But... Yeah, the two biggest games are still in front of you at home. And is that right? Looking at the schedule, including this Carolina game, I think Seattle only has two road games left,
0: right? Well, you know, the way they started the year, right? Two straight road games at home, back on the road again after that. I mean, uh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that that was how it went. Three of the
1: first four on the road.
0: We're on the road. So now that's paying dividends here late in the year.
1: Four of the last five will be at home.
0: Two on the road, and one of those two is against the Niners. Mm Mm-hmm. So
1: it was the last out of West Coast trip that you need to make.
0: Yeah. And, you know, the Cardinals all of a sudden, I mean, they just lost to the Raiders. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, so, I mean, look, there's a lot of opportunity to be had with those bad teams. Though, wouldn't it just be the most fitting Seahawks thing ever to beat the Panthers? to beat the Niners next the following week to beat the 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 Vikings and then lose to like the Cardinals or Niners in the next game.
1: Well, I mean if Frusarians was there, I think that could uh, very well happen. <laughs> Cuz it's basically what happened last year. Let's be honest. I mean, the high of beating the Eagles on Sunday night in prime time at home, then you go on to uh to lose, you know? three of the next four along the way including at home week 17 against Arizona so yeah we'll make this nice and tight and quick perkins we are uh, running a tight ship the Wednesday before Thanksgiving but let's go ahead and start with our uh, matchup zone for Seahawks in Carolina Panthers this game's still going to be taking place on Sunday so uh got some room with the injury updates and things like that but what stands out to you
0: well uh it starts and ends obviously with with you know being able to contain Cam Newton but not only through his, with his legs. I mean, we're talking about two. Carolina's seventh in rushing offense in the NFL. Seattle's obviously number 1. So this is a, a game that you could see a lot of ground action. Uh, but, you know, a guy that's really come on as of late at receiver for the Panthers is DJ Moore, who has been a late first-round late first round pick. But early in the year was not really involved at all in, in the offense. So I really want to see him versus a guy like Shaq Griffin, you know, Moore had the huge game right, against the Lions last week, 157 yards, two touchdowns, had eight targets. Moore's been targeted at least five times in five of their last six games. Before that, not even five targets in any games leading up to that. So he has really become a focal point, especially Funchess has really fallen off. He had a couple of bad drops last week, and it seems like Moore has really taken over the reins in terms of uh, one of their top targets.
1: Uh, Curtis Samuel is another one with uh, touchdowns. In two of his last three games, Um, you know, and Christian McCaffrey obviously is someone that you got to watch out for. His ability to get outside on the perimeter, he's almost unique, but he's incredibly fast, quick, shifty. Bobby Wagner, K.J. Wright will both have their work cut out for him in in terms of running side to side across the field to track down that guy.
0: And they're going to have to contain him catching the ball out of the backfield. I mean, he is such a weapon. Everyone in the Pacific Northwest saw him play in college and knows – What a dual threat he is in that regard. In fact,
1: only the people in the Pacific North.
0: (laughs) Yeah, because all the games are at freaking 1030 Eastern. But, yeah, I mean, he's a a, a big-time weapon for them. He's emerged as one of their top offensive weapons.
1: Defensively, Carolina, you know, they haven't been the same stout defense that we've grown accustomed to, but they still got the Keekly Davis pairing. Um, No guy, Nobody like Josh Norman locking things down on the outside as much, but defensively, they're still going to be a tough... Unit to play at home as well, but even then, I'm thinking of the games I've seen Carolina play this year. They just got shredded by Pittsburgh on the road. Um, they let the Giants put up 35 points on them, you know, a few Sundays back. They're not the sweltering unit that went all the way to the Super Bowl in 2015.
0: They're not. I mean, this is a team in total defense is 13th in the league. Um, good. Not bad. You know, it's, and take above average. Yeah, it's above average. Seattle's 11th, you know. So, two pretty good so defenses. Suck it, Carolina. That's right. But low key there is kind of a rivalry in this in this game too between the way I look at it between Bobby Wagner and Keekly. Mm-hmm. And the conversation of best inside linebacker in the NFL has always revolved around those two for like the past 4 years. And Keekly's always gotten the line share of the attention. Um whether it be because his tackle numbers are just ridiculous. But um, I mean, when you take into consideration health, which is a big deal, uh, because Keekley's, uh, when his jersey gets retired, it's going to be actually a hoodie from all the times he stood on the sidelines. Oh, that's tough. He's been injured so much it's in his career. It's Thanksgiving, Perkins. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm just saying, like, you know, Wagner, for the most part, has been healthy throughout his career. And that's something you can't say about Keekley. So I think that uh, that's another rivalry within the game. Like last week, we talked about quarterback matchup between Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson. This week, it's like linebacker. We're talking about two of the best middle linebackers in the NFL over the past half decade.
1: They diagnose pre-snap probably as best as any linebackers in the league currently. They're
0: both great leaders defensively.
1: Incredible leaders. So fast, both of them.
0: I mean, I think the reason why Wagner has not gotten the accolades that you see from Keekly is because Keekly was the best player on that defense for a long time, and and you didn't see as many personalities, right? Right. Bobby Wagner's acquired a quiet dude. You know, he's not he's not like your outspoken, abrasive guy. Yet you, you would have, think
1: he would think of him fourth, maybe fifth on those peak yeah. Seahawk defenses. Yeah. Well, and, and, and you think of Keekly first.
0: Yeah, but but I think that also a reason for that is because you have Richard Sherman. Who's very outspoken, very loud. You had Browner at for Times, who the reason why I bring him up is because he was so big. And like the conversation was always like, man, he like mauls guys, and like that was always the conversation. Cam Chancellor, big hitter, Mm -hmm. always on the highlight reel. Mm -hmm. And then Earl Thomas, who who, you know, is the best safety in football for a number of years. So I don't even know if he was like fifth best in terms of talent because I think that that but when you talk about just attention. On the pecking order, he no. was always down on the list because he just quietly did what he was supposed to do.
1: When you create a moniker and a brand of all, around one particular unit on the side of the ball, Legion of Boom, even though it brands a group of players together, it also is a bit exclusive. It means whatever great players are outside the Legion of Boom, which would be linebackers, you don't talk about Bobby Wagner in terms of the same coverage or attention, even though his talent would indicate. No question, he should be part of that conversation. Yeah, without a doubt. All right, Perkins, that wraps up our matchup zone. That means it's time for, that's right, get the chemicals going, put it in the lab, Petri dish is ready. (laughs) It's time for Game Note Theory with Brian Perkins. Take
0: it away. Yeah, first and foremost, shout out to uh, Frank Clark. Shout out. Having a pretty good year. You know he only needs two and a half sacks to be in Seattle's top ten all-time sack list. Are you serious? Yeah. That's so sad.
1: <laughs> Isn't he like twenty years old?
0: Something like that. Yeah. He would tie Cliff Averill with thirty four and a half. Yeah, I know. That look says it all. That shocked me when I saw that. But mm. good for Frank. The next sack will uh obviously have him pass his career high, his previous career high, which was ten, which was set, I believe, in his rookie year, right? Um also, another fun stat that, uh, you know, Seattle can, you know, they've been doing better right out of the gate, right, than we've seen in years past.
1: Yeah, finally got a couple of opening drive touchdowns lately, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. So if they can go into halftime with a lead, they're usually pretty good. Since 2012, they're 50-0 and 0 when leading by four or more points at half.
1: Can you say that again?
0: Yeah, since 2012, including playoffs, the Seahawks are 50-0 and 0 when leading by four or more points at halftime.
1: You know there's some stats that you can float out and it's like ah eh, whatever. To me that's a significant stat. It is. Anytime you're 50 and 0 in anything, you'll you'll get my attention, but that means if you have, you know, we're not even talking about a touchdown lead and holding on. We're talking about a four-point lead at halftime or more? Yeah. You've never lost? Yeah. I mean That's, you, that's
0: amazing. I could see, like, they're 50-0 and leading by 17 or more at the half. Or exactly. Something. Yeah. But,
1: it's like, oh, they have never had an epic second-half collapse, which we know a lot of bad Seahawk losses. We know a lot of bad Seahawk regular season losses. We know a lot of bad Seahawk fourth-quarter collapses. Remember? Wasn't yeah. that one year they had... A multiple. The Panthers. Like the Panthers
0: themselves. In 2015. The Cowboys. The Panthers and th- in 2015. And you're telling me none
1: of those games they had, you know, leads greater than four points at halftime. That's, yeah. you know, that's amazing to me.
0: Yeah, that, that game in Seattle against the Panthers, they lost 27-23. They blew a two-score lead in that game. So that's in the fourth quarter, mind you. I mean, even Judah in the freaking Super Bowl. To the to the Patriots. Was,
1: uh was that 24 they were 14, up 10 right? Ten points in going into quarter. the fourth quarter. Now, you know, obviously one, it's the Patriots, and two, you lost, you know, Jeremy Lane and uh Cliff Averill in the yeah. fourth quarter there, and which Richard was a Sherman big deal. was injured. Mm-hmm. I think
0: uh Earl Thomas was injured as well, or no, Cam had a shoulder injury. Yeah. So yeah. I think yeah, no, Cam had a knee. Or a knee and Sherm
1: had the arm. Yeah. And Browner going into the game was like, I'm gonna hit that elbow, I'm gonna hit that shoulder. And I'll screw you, bro,
0: or whatever. It's just interesting when you think about it. So those are a couple of stats. Also, Tyler Lockett needs 14 more catches to uh, set a new career high of 52. He's having a great year. He
1: is having a good year, man. Really career consistent. Big time plays. It's great main to see- catches going to the ground. He's yeah. doing it all.
0: It's great to see him blossom because... He's definitely not as effective a kick returner anymore as he was early in his career. Mm -hmm. Whether it's the rule changes, the formation changes, whether it's the meniscus that uh, never, maybe he's never able to get back to, to full speed. After that, but he has not been as effective in that regard. He's still smart, typically, returning the ball. Like he makes good choices. So you're comfortable having him back there, right? Yeah. And he's got
1: a good compliment to Doug, who continues to get healthier and healthier, it seems like.
0: Yeah. So it's, but I mean, it's great to see him grow as a receiver. Um, You know, he's always been kind of flashy and had that explosive opportunity, but he's definitely been more of a go to guy this year. And they've needed it. And they've needed him to grow into that. And that's exactly what he's done. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So. Game No Theory with Brian Perkins. Potion it up. It's time for Remember When on the Game Plan Podcast. Well, there's only a handful of these to choose from, just like we talked about with the Green Bay matchup. You know, back-to-back opponents with rich history against the Seattle Seahawks. From my Remember When, I think I'm going to go back to that divisional round game that we were mentioning earlier in Seattle. There was a great feel about that one. It was a Saturday night. Um, you know, the Seahawks... Easy with the bye week, 12-4 and record, trying to return to the Super Bowl that year. And they ultimately did so. But this Carolina game, I think it was a 31-24 final, if I'm not mistaken. It got a tight late, but Seattle was in charge for most of this contest and really sealed it, I think, with that epic 91-yard Cam Chancellor pick six going into the end zone, head bopping up and down. Place was rocking at that point, and that sealed a chance to host the NFC Championship game a week
0: later. It felt like that that uh, that game, even though Cam Chancellor had been good for a long time, was kind of a coming out party for him from a national perspective. He had the big hits. He had obviously the previous Super Bowl we saw what he did, but then in that game he gets the pick six, jumps over the line twice. Yeah, uh, you know, so he did. He had some major highlight reel type of plays that I think uh, kind of helped leapfrog him into prominence oh, a little. See bit. See what you
1: did there. He leapt over prominence just like the Carolina <laughs> O-line.
0: You know, I think back to uh, 2013, the Super Bowl year, and Super Bowl victory year. And how I important... it goes without
1: saying. goes without saying when you say Super Bowl year. Yeah, fair enough. There's only
0: one. <laughs> how important that game in Carolina early in the season was when they went 12-7. And the recall of some of those players, too, back... Uh, those Super Bowl years pretty fun, but that was a big game on the road. They had beat them the previous year in a really ugly, close game. This one was another one that was really ugly and close. And, um, you know, when you look back at certain parts of the season or certain games where you go, man, that could have gone one way or another. And maybe they don't end up hosting the, you know, both rounds. Maybe they don't get a first round bye if, if the chips fall a different way. That was one of those games. Yeah. So
1: I think uh, the first time they met was 14 to 9, the 2012 game. It was 16
0: 12. 16 12. 13 9 was in 2014. <laughs> yeah. So this is how it went 2012, 16 12. All three games, by the way, in Carolina, first three of, the, of their meetings. 2013, 12 7. 2014, 13 9.
1: That's unbelievable. You get carbon copies three straight years in the same
0: stadium. And then, of course, in 2015, 27 23. So the opposite. Where they scoring, come back and where win. Where they come in back Seattle. and win. And then in 2016, Seattle blows the doors off, 40-7. to
1: That was the Sunday night game that Earl broke his
0: leg. Yeah, because that the, the literally the play after that was the touchdown, mm-hmm. right? It was the deep ball. <laughs> You're like, oh, crap. Yeah.
1: I'll always remember as well. I mean, you got a the 2016 season when Doug was just on fire. No, the 2015 season where Doug was on fire with Russell second half of the year and they go to Minnesota in the wild card and win on the Blair Walsh miss. Um, and the week later they go to Carolina and get destroyed. Blitzed right out of the gate, 31 nothing at halftime. 31 yeah. nothing at halftime and then they come back with 24 unanswered in the second half to nearly damn near pull out that game in a miraculous style. I mean that's just an, an incredible That game incredible was insane because
0: game. they the Panthers like scored really quickly. Jay Stu uh, off of like an eighty yard run or yeah, something. I think right? Jay
1: Stu's first run. Earl was... Thomas like
0: overcommitted on a yep. and 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 Stu just cut back to the right and yep. he was gone. Very similar actually to a play against the 49ers. Frank, Frank or, Gore. Frank
1: yes. well, Gore. Right when you said Earl Thomas overcommitted. Yeah, New York. <laughs> yeah, going.
0: you're going to go with that. But that so that game right so that was like an early game. It was like nine thirty kick or something weird. It was like a morning game, and it was ten a.m. Sunday. Yeah, it was ten a.m. Or yeah. yeah, it was one of those weird ones. So, my wife was still in bed and I got up and like went downstairs to watch the game. And the the ensuing play was like a pick six, right? Keekley with the pick six.
1: Yeah, cuz Russ got rushed, he tried yeah. to do something with it. Keekley took it out of the air and took yeah, it in from 14 nothing. Yeah, like the 15 nothing. yard line or like something like that. 3 minutes into the game, is yeah. 14 Yeah. And my nothing. wife comes
0: downstairs, she's like, "Oh, did you get up? Did you miss some of the game?" cuz she saw the score being 14 nothing. I'm like, "No." That's never a good sign. It's been 5 minutes and they're down two scores. Yeah.
1: It was amazing. And then the the comeback that they had at the end, it just it kind of was salt in the wound because it's like you knew that this was available for them. But I guess what's frustrating
0: too is yeah, as you're watching that, I was actually kind of incensed. Like how are you play so how are you play so terrible in the first half like that and you're able to make those adjustments? Pete Carroll is very good out of halftime. We know that, right? Like he's one of the best in my opinion.
1: Well, I mean, there's this one stat like if they have a four point lead or more at halftime, they never lose. Just tells you how good he is.
0: But he is great at adjustments, and I don't know. I guess I was just – it's frustrating that it took two quarters of football, but you understand it too, right? They were in Minnesota the previous week. It was like eight degrees, you know, a crazy game that was really physical and hard-fought, so you kind of understand it. Hey, what do you think –
1: as we wrap it up here, Perkins, what do you think the betting line is on this game? Have you seen it already? I have not. What do you think these two teams would be rated on a neutral site right now?
0: On a neutral site, I would guess that Carolina would be favored by two to two and a half.
1: Okay. It's in Carolina. The line is Carolina minus three.
0: So it would be a pick Well, I think
1: part of it is Carolina is on a two-game losing streak. They got smacked in Pittsburgh. They lost to a not great Detroit team. Both games on the road, Uh but they were four-point favorites in Detroit and got smacked. Now Seattle has the long week. They're playing better going out there Carolina though back at home and what are they I think they're 6 and 5 6 and 4 now so you know still a pretty decent team they're taking on what's your pick
0: I'm going with the Panthers 24 to that surprises me 20
1: surprises me I feel like you're doing a little reverse psychology here
0: I'm not I I don't think I think that the Panthers are better than the Seahawks and I think the game being at home Matters for them. It's a morning game too, which Seattle's been better at, at those 10 a.m. games, especially with the extra time off. But I think that Carolina losing two straight is almost a bad thing, right? Because right. It, Cause it
1: that's like they're too good of a team to have a lower
0: depth. Than well, I just think mentally games, too, right? Yeah. Like they are now on red alert. Mm-hmm. I mean, they know how important this game is. Alert. They, are, they don't have the cushion that they used to against no. a team like the Seahawks. They know that they need to win this game at home against mm-hmm. an NFC wild card potential rival. It's a
1: huge game for both teams. It really is. It reminds me, you know though post Thanksgiving, they played Miami twenty twelve post Thanksgiving on the road, lost a heartbreaker there. I'll always Bull remember crap that game. call to Earl call. Thomas. Terrible call. Um so I'm also gonna go with Carolina twenty three to twenty one and a uh, Graham Gano field goal to to win it. You know what? I'll go uh twenty six to twenty four, actually. Just a little touch more high scoring in this one, but I'll wrap it up. That one, I admit, is reverse psychology. <laughs> would Seahawks cover the plus three. He's Brian Perkins. I'm Judah Newbie Have a happy Thanksgiving, everyone, and find this podcast and all the podcasts we do over on
0: 1029thegame.com. We'll be back on Monday next week to wrap it all up.